So I challenged the market to be a bit more liberal in terms of how we experiment with new technologies to challenge various and other vendors and suppliers and partners to the market to really leverage that innovation to fail fast and just to experiment. Because a quick experiment, whether it fails or succeeds, is we'll learn something from it. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Matthew Grant here, but only for a short time today. Welcome or welcome back. Glad you found us again today. Well, we've got a real treat for you. It's Robin Mertens and Tim Rayner. Tim is CEO of Verisk Specialty Business Solutions, and they're going to be talking about the uses of data analytics and innovation from a company that has been around for a while, but is still keeping things fresh. Now, if you want to find out more of what we're up to, www.instec.co has got everything we've got going on, events coming up and membership and a whole lot more. But with that, here's Robin. Welcome, everybody, to uh, this week's Instech podcast. I'm joined today by the CEO and president of Verisk Specialty Business Solutions, Tim Rayner. Tim, thanks for joining us. Hi, Robin. Uh, thank you for having me on the podcast. I've been an avid follower and listener, and it's a pleasure to take part today. Good for you, because I was going to raise that right from the start. You and I have known each other quite a long time. I mean, I'm saying 15 or 16 years. And if I recall right... You sat around a table in Miller's when you were there, and we talked about the idea of forming Instech. And I can't remember who was around the table. You were there. Harry Croydon, MIC, was there. There were a few others. And you were all very encouraging. And, and it wasn't long after that that you kindly hosted our first ever reverse pitch night, where we asked insurers to tell us what they wanted from InsurTech. Do you remember all that? Absolutely. Very fond memories of the early days. I've, I think our original group... We were joined by Sasha Brekovic and Paolo Cuomo. There was only five or six of us, and I think that group was called Insight. And that was the forerunner to what has become a very successful Instech London forum today. So congratulations to you and Matthew for establishing that community. Well, and helped by lots of other people. I think we'll, we, we could call you a founding father or some such title. One day there'll be a plaque for you. Look, let's get on to talking about you and, and not about Instech. You were at Miller those, in those days. It's quite an interesting role for you now running a, a software house that specializes in the specialty area because you know what it's like to be a customer, a consumer, and now you're on the other side of the fence. Has that shaped the way you sit around doing your job? Absolutely. Uh, I had 18 very enjoyable memorable years at Miller. I started as a software developer. My last role was head of group operations. And from those 18 years, I learned a lot of bad habits from suppliers, things that didn't turn our attention to the solutions, a lot of pushing products. And they're the sorts of things that I'm trying to bring in and weave into how various SBS treats the London market, how we establish those partnerships and move forward. Look, I'm not going to say Verisk Specialty Business Solutions, the whole podcast, so it's VSBS from here on, are we agreed? Or Verisk, that's fine. Anyway, you've been there five and a half years. How's the VSBS doing? Give us an idea of your size and whether you're growing, shrinking. How's it going? We've grown double digits over the last five years or each of the last five years. Uh, We're now at over 600 people. 
And that's through a combination of organic growth of our existing client base and also the acquisitions over that period as well. 2024 thesis is that from insured tech point of view, particularly investment and focus, the specialty market is the area that everyone is looking at right now, the area where people think there is most to be done and therefore most opportunity. Are you seeing that? And, and if so, what are the main areas of growth or opportunity for you as a VSBS? Absolutely. And we're seeing a lot of it from a VSBS perspective. I think a lot of the specialty market still very much operates in analog channels. So they're still document-centric. They haven't yet leveraged the full power of data. And if I compare and contrast it to the general insurance market that leveraged that data and that behaviours 10, 15, 20 years ago even, with some of the original telephone quotation services, then online quote binding issue, I think that's where the specialty market is now focusing its investment because it's realised the power and the value of that data. So we say that begrudgingly the specialty market has accepted, whether wittingly or not, that what's happened in general insurance in the last 10 years has a lot to teach us. And and I think there used to be this mantra before that the specialty market was innately too complicated and each risk was different and that therefore you couldn't apply much by way of automation. Whereas what I see now is people going, there are areas I can automate and I can make myself fundamentally smarter by clever things with data rather than sending PDFs around. You guys really led in the last few years with your data first approach, particularly around white space. Is that getting traction? Are we are we gradually seeing the PDF fade from glory? I'd like to think we are, but there's still an awful lot of investment going into document-centric sort of placing processes. The data gold mine that can be untapped by brokers and insurers is gradually being realized and I'd, I'd politely disagree around the reluctance to accept the the benefits from the general insurance market i think the specialty market is special for a reason given the complexity and the depth of expertise that's required to assess that risk but in the same vein there's some unnecessary complexity where certain products or components of a package policy can be standardized, the data can be extracted, and then patterns and better practice and adherence to technical pricing can ultimately achieve a better outcome for all parties. So it's data first is certainly at the top of our agenda, the acquisition of white space in March 2021, and the growth of that platform has realized over the three years is, is phenomenal. And that's at the core, cornerstone of our digital strategy on both data and API, enabling the market to realize those synergies and efficiencies. So in this in similar theme, I would have thought the most talked about single topic in our world when we talk to our London market members would be smart follow or probably more accurately called uh, automated syndication. And I know you've got a bit of a, a strategy here by gluing together some of the things in your stable. You know, you've got several components you could bring to bear. Tell us about it. The cornerstone that I mentioned is white space. And given white space's data and API first approach, that opens up a plethora of opportunities to deliver automation. And through another acquisition that we made in December 2018, that of Rulebook, 
we've got an enterprise rules engine which combined with the data and api first capability in whitespace really has exponential possibility as to how much can be automated so algo follow on the insurer side or digital quota shares or client treaties or fast track facilities in the broker side the efficiency that we can start to bring by automating some human intensive processes where they are following the same script whether it's following a follower or a lead insurer or applying a certain percentage then we can do that we can build the algorithm and we can automate that outcome so that it's all enabled by whitespace without whitespace if it's still a document centric platform we wouldn't have the insight to what the class of business is what the sub limits or coverage is what the territories are so without Whitespace, we wouldn't be able to do what we're doing today. But Whitespace plus rulebook, I think we're only really scratching the surface of the automation potential. Starting in the London market, but then looking further, global specialty and then global insurance as well. Let's touch on that because I've always been intrigued. As you know, I, my history with trading platforms goes back quite a long way. And our, our original vision always was that it was a global capability and that one day subject to regulation you'd be able to sit anywhere in the world and trade with a platform and get access to the capacity you wanted but this has been very london market focused this whole specialty trading platform thing are you going to try and take white space beyond the uk do you see potential in the us for instance absolutely we already had success in belgium with the Belgian marine market. And that was a pilot that started in 2022 and it is still running now in, in a production manner with the Belgian Marine Market Association members trading with each other on white space. We were at the Singapore conference in September, the SIRC, and had very positive feedback in terms of the potential for a white space launch in Southeast Asia. I'll be going to the Dubai World Insurance Congress in April and through our various ownership and very significant capabilities in the US, we're actively reviewing the US specialty market initially and then looking at admitted and standard lines as, as another launch area. So that when we first met Robin Europe, RO3K, that then become Catalyst and, and the, the global vision that you presented to me, probably was it 2008, 2009, is, is one that... I believe we now live in and starting to realize through the white space platform and taking that data capability broader than just London. A man ahead of my times. You certainly were, and I'd share your frustration for not getting there, but hopefully you'll take some pleasure in watching us get there. I'm long, long reconciled to it. Let's just continue on this theme because it naturally intrigues me. Am I right that in this space now, it's a little bit of a hand-to-hand -hand fight between you and the PPL, the Placing Platform Limited. I see you getting a lot of traction. I see them getting a lot of traction. I don't see necessarily that you're natural bedfellows, but you seem to be able to work together. How does that work in practice? Do you just push on with your own agenda and they push on with theirs? I think the, the market needs some healthy competition. Uh, so that there isn't any partnership or anything formal between PPL and Whitespace. It's very much a competitive environment. We have the luxury of setting our own agenda. We have the Whitespace Advisory Board with some very senior representatives from the global 
specialty insurance industry that helps advise and guide us. And we'll continue to build that independently, commercially viable platform that's pushing some of the innovation boundaries. So respect to PPL and, and the NextGen platform as to where they're coming from, where they're aiming to go to. But we don't look at them in any way, shape or form to drive what we're doing. That, that independent strategy and vision is one that we will maintain and continue to pursue. I bet you wouldn't mind some of that money that gets thrown at building it because the market spent significant amounts of money or, or is your freedom well worth not having access to that amount of money? You know me very well, Robin. I'm a, I'm a hugely competitive person and always wants to win. I also want to win fairly and, and the amount of money that's been invested into PPL and PPL Next Gen compared to where they are of document versus data is is surprising. But equally, as I said earlier, the, the independent financially viable platform that we've built will continue to have investment from Veresk as we look to achieve some of our global ambitions for the platform. I'd rather have a competitor. The funding is a point for the market to decide ultimately as to what they want to continue to invest, who they invest it with. One more question, because I, I usually steer clear of London market politics and stuff, but I am intrigued by one further issue. I don't think I'm being too controversial in saying that the London market modernization program and Blueprint 1 and Blueprint 2 haven't quite delivered to the market's expectations. You are inextricably tied as VSBS to the London market and London market modernization. Are you held back by the way the market operates in modernization or is it helpful to you because you've been able to operate independently and get on with your own thing I, I, what's the balance between those things first and foremost various car 110 percent behind blueprint 2 the, the market and its back office systems that are 30 40 years old if not older they do desperately need modernization they need bringing into the digital era because Having a market of our size and complexity still trading on EDI messaging in 2024 is not fit for the longer term purpose. So our support for Blueprint 2 in the core market modernization is unwavering. And we continue to work with Velenetic and our clients to ensure that we support the transition services that are currently aimed for July. And then beyond that, to move to full digital as quickly and as efficiently as possible. In terms of your question about being held back, then th there is some frustration within the various camp as to the various market modernization initiatives. So LM Tom from three or four years ago, and now more recently Blueprint 2, because what that has the effect or impact on the market and the, our clients and prospects is that if they see a claims initiative coming out of LM Tom or there's a new accounting and settlement service under Blueprint 2, naturally they'll put upgrades on hold, they'll put decisions on hold as to switching software suppliers or vendors. And the impact of that should not be underestimated on a business such as Verisk, which is very happy and prepared to invest. But the return, the period of that investment can be elongated and frustrated by market modernization initiatives that don't deliver as quickly as they are initially forecast and projected to do. Yeah, okay, I get that. 
Change of subject, move away from market modernization. In the last few years, you bought, as you've already said, Rulebook, Whitespace, there was Morning Data, Ignite. I don't know if I've missed any. Are you still on the lookout for acquisitions? And if so, what's the sort of thing that takes your fancy? Yes, all the acquisitions we've made have been designed on a complementary basis to build a broader digital ecosystem so we can enable the digital processing, the straight-through benefits from the smallest MGA cover holder or broker through to the largest global player. So we've got a very powerful ecosystem and we shouldn't overlook how much feel that we can put into that ecosystem from a Verisk data perspective. And at the end of that, we also have the benefit of extreme event solutions or formerly known as AIR. We've got an enterprise catastrophe modeling capability within the group. So to answer your question in terms of acquisition and appetite, we're always on the lookout for additional partners or complementary service providers into the ecosystem whether that's on a minority investment basis or full acquisition. So the simple answer is yes, but it has to be additive to the overall ecosystem and not duplicative. So it's a a complex situation to answer simply because of the comprehensive nature of the ecosystem we've built today. I don't know why I'm being so provocative today, but it's probably because it's early in the morning. You know, I'm not even functioning at this hour, but you talk there about the opportunity that comes from the broader Verisk ecosystem and sort of one Verisk, which is part of the motto. I challenge you a bit on that and say, people like me and the market see it as an absolutely massive opportunity, gluing those things together. But not much has happened. And because we deal with a wider Verisk group, we can see the extent to which there is cooperation and where there's dysfunction. Is that something that's about to change? Is the full potential of all the things that Verisk has in the locker is about to be wielded out to the benefit of the market? Absolutely. So the, the change that Verisk went through during 2022 and 2023 is we jettisoned our non-insurance businesses. So that the, the Verisk board, the executive committee that I now sit on is laser focused on the insurance market. And there's some in, exciting developments already in pilot proof of concept stage that brings to power the full various ecosystem from the data at the start all the way through to the cat modeling at the end. Examples of those are extreme event solution partnership to build enterprise exposure manager. And that for the first time will provide treaty scale reinsurance level exposure management at a level that is just not been possible in the past. We've worked with underwriting solutions or formerly known as ISO to deliver rating as a service for all of the electronic rating content or ERC products that's based upon rulebook. And then the most recent solution that we're very proud of is augmented underwriting. And that brings various underwriting solutions, data sets, it leverages rulebook and then the cap modeling capability. So on reflection, over the last five years, I don't think Verisk has done enough, but there was a lot of distraction from the banking and energy businesses. From 2023 onwards, the laser focus on insurance is starting to pay dividends as we bring more One Verisk solutions out. And I expect there'll be a topic of further conversations between the two of us as to how we can help you and your members understand the, the true power of the Verisk ecosystem. We're standing by. So other than closer and closer cooperation with the rest of the Verisk group, what's 
the plan for VSBS in 2024? Any big dramatic changes of strategy? What can we expect? I don't think they're they're big or dramatic, but the the main shift that I've taken the organisation on working with the SBS exec team is for us to focus more on the provision of solutions. So for vendors that only sell product, my personal opinion is that if you're selling a product, you put the onus on the problem solving to the client or the prospect. Whereas by selling a solution, we've taken time to research the challenges or the problems that the industry is facing. And then we provide that solution, which may be a composite offering of many products, many data sets, many services. So being solution focused, continue the client orientation and being more thought leaders than simple sort of product providers. That's presumably the learnings of your long years at Miller. That, that's what you'd have liked to have had when you were there. Yeah, I, I always try to work with the suppliers at Miller as partners, but when they rock up on a Monday morning and present a solution that converts a spreadsheet to this and then ask me what problems they can solve, it it, it bored me to tears and frustrated me beyond belief. So that's an organisation I do not want to be at the helm of and will continue to push the boundaries and challenge our people and also our clients and hold us to account. And we want to be partners, but that partnership has to be two-way and needs to be very open, honest, and a direct dialogue around the challenges they're facing and how we need to improve. We nearly had a whole podcast on the London market without mentioning spreadsheets, and you went and blew it right near the end there. Look. Another question for you. I think you've been in the London market a long time. I admire your pragmatism. You, you have a lot of plates spinning. If you could change one thing, in the London market, what would you change? Definitely be the speed of decision-making. With the advent of cloud computing, of distributed computing, we can build an algorithm that can price the most complex specialty risk in days and weeks. Yet a decision to adopt that might take 12, 18 months because of the armies of people that's involved from a compliance, procurement, operation, technology perspective. So I challenge the market to be a bit more liberal in terms of how we experiment with new technologies, to challenge Verisk and other vendors and suppliers and partners to the market, to really leverage that innovation to fail fast and just to experiment. Because a quick experiment, whether it fails or succeeds, we'll learn something from it. Whereas if we take 12 to 18 months before we learn, there's a chance that the technology has been superseded by something else where it's not cutting edge. So speed of decision-making is something that I'd encourage the industry to change. Here, here. Do you think decision-making is getting slower and not quicker? In a word, yes. I I do believe the decision-making process has got slower. I understand the need for caution and I understand the need for prudence in terms of making decisions where data security or data integrity and ultimately pricing to insureds are at stake. But at the same time, we've never been in a position where we can do so much automated testing to prove certain outcomes and model different scenarios. We've still got a 1990s mindset in terms of how we test and prove a solution versus the capabilities that we can leverage in 2024. I'll sign you up to my need to change procurement club because it's just such a pervasive theme this 
let's end on a let's end on a more positive note. I've really enjoyed this, and it's a bit like rattling on with an old friend. What's the one thing you would like everybody who listens to this to take away from the conversation? So, one thing I'd like people to to take away is Verisk is here to partner with the London market, the global specialty market, the global insurance market. Hold us to account. We have a unique ecosystem of capabilities from data all the way through to cat modeling, supported by enterprise software, whether it's policy administration claims or rating pricing. The white space market, the data and API first piece, challenge us, help us to challenge you. How can we adopt a digital data fast marketplace that will benefit all participants? So call me out and get in touch, either through yourself, Robin, Instead, or directly on LinkedIn. I welcome the conversation and I look forward to many more partnership-focused discussions and opportunities in the future. Good for you. There, everyone listening in. It's a challenge for you. Challenge Tim, but just don't take 18 months to two years before you make up your mind whether or not you want his solution. That's the final message we're going to give to the, to the listeners. Tim, thank you very much for joining me. Really enjoyed it. Good luck with the golf game and your ever-present competitiveness. And we'll see you again soon. Thanks again for the opportunity, Robin. It's been a pleasure. All mine. Instech is officially coming to the US to bring the future of underwriting closer to you. Join us to discover the new tools leading insurance organizations are using to remove the pain from underwriting and let underwriters concentrate on what they do best. This event is sponsored by Saitora, Hyper Exponential, Google Cloud, and Kroll. The full program will be confirmed in the new year. Well, if you too want to learn more about how you can share your stories with the world talking about the technology, analytics or data you've got, or if you're an insurer looking to learn more about what others are doing, then you can find out everything that we're up to and how we can help you. www.instec.go. Do please take a look. We've just uh, invested on your website and we're quite pleased the way all the information is being sorted. Or you can contact any one of us. Hello at instec.co. That's it. We're done. <laughs>